0: Well, if you'll take a copy of God's word and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1244. 1244. We're gonna be reading in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're gonna pick up at verse 8 and go down to 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. For at one time you were darkness. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your word, and Lord, we need it greatly. Lord, so I pray that you would use a a broken crooked stick to show the narrow way of Jesus this morning. Give us anointing both to the hearer and preacher alike. In the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. So Scripture uses the images of light and dark throughout to talk about the difference between knowing the Lord and not knowing the Lord. It's an apt metaphor, isn't it? You know, as children, we don't have to be taught to be afraid of the dark. We have to be shepherded through that fear. Because darkness is scary, and it can even be dangerous. But you know, when light is applied to darkness... When light is brought to bear, it changes everything, doesn't it? Light and dark cannot coexist. It is either, there's either light or there's not light. And so when it is dark and light is brought to bear, it changes everything. I have a clear memory from my childhood. I was either four or five. I remember because I was living in a specific house we moved from. And I was in bed trying to go to sleep. And, and I looked over and there behind the door... There was somebody right there behind the door. And it was crazy because he wouldn't move. For as long as I stared at him, whoever it was behind my door, he wouldn't move. Now, I don't know if I finally fell asleep clutching my um, stuffed dog or if uh, I called out. I don't remember that part. But at some point, light was brought to bear. Either by the sun or the lamp. And do you know that person was actually a light gray jacket hanging on the back of the doorknob. But see, when light was brought to bear, it changed everything, didn't it? It enlightened the situation. I was afraid and then I knew I didn't have to be afraid. Well, verse 8 tells us that we are now light in the Lord and children of light. Something has changed, something has happened to us just as drastically as when the light was turned on in my bedroom and I knew that that person was actually a jacket. See, Christ has shined in our hearts, saving us from our sins, and now everything about us has changed. So where are we going this morning? Well, having been made new, we are to live like it. And as we live like it, we are to seek the lost that they might be saved all the while as we give glory to God our Father. So as we, are saved, as we are changed, we are changed, now we are to live like it. And as we live like it, we are to seek the lost that they might be saved all the while as we give glory to God the Father. So what has happened to us? Verse 8 tells us that we were once darkness. That's a strong statement, right? It's one thing to be in darkness. It's another thing to be darkness. This comes from being dark and understanding. You know, apart from salvation, we cannot see the truth. Just like without a flashlight, we can't see in a dark room or in a moonless night. So we were blinded once by our dark and fallen hearts. This is borne out in Ephesians 4.18. We read, they were darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. Our hearts used to be dark because of the hardness that was in them. And out of that dark heart came dark deeds. You know, our actions are always tied to our hearts. You know, what we say, we, we, you know, a lot of times we'll say, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to say that. Or that's not what I meant. And we really should say, I'm sorry, I said exactly what I thought. Because uh, it usually reflects exactly what's on our hearts. This condition of our heart needed to be changed. Because out of our heart came this foolish thinking and came dark deeds. And all this was while we were in what Colossians 1.13 calls the domain of darkness. So we weren't just there by ourselves, we were ultimately under the power and control and the authority of Satan himself, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. We were quite comfortable in the dark. Um, but something has changed now. If, if you are a Christian, something has changed in your heart. 2 Corinthians 4.6 tells us how this has happened. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We who were once darkness are now light and children of light. That phrase means we are so connected to light that we might as well be its offspring. Christ who is the light of the world came and has shown into our hearts that we might see our sin and turn to Him in salvation and where we used to belong to the domain of darkness and loving every minute of it. Colossians 1.13 continues. It says, God has delivered us from, He has rescued us out of, He has gone and, and redeemed us, He has captured us and brought us alive and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He has sent forth His Son who is the light of the world to bring those like you and me who were in darkness into light that we might be light. Well, something's happened to us, and now we're called to live like it. There's supposed to be a connection between who we are, who our nature is, what our nature is, and how we live. Isn't there a disconnect so often in our lives on this? Um, You know, we have this idea of how our children should act, and then they don't. You know, they're acting contrary to our expectations of them, and, and how much more so do we live contrary to the actions or the desires of what God would have us to live? As one commentator said, there are no shades of conversion. There's light and there's dark. You know, out in the deer stand, as you watch the sun comes up, you can't shoot at the first glimmer of light, right? At first light, unless you've got a really nice scope. If you've got a $30 scope like I do, you're not going to be shooting anything right there at first light. There's, there's gradations of light in the woods, but that's not how it works with conversion. It's not like a dimmer switch. You know, a dimmer switch lets you choose a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter. Salvation's like a, a regular switch, off or on. We either are saved or we're not. There's no fence sitting. Um, if, in fact, if you're sitting on the fence, you're not, a, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. There's no middle ground. So once we've been enlightened, things change. Once we've been saved and converted, we are changed forever. Now, that doesn't mean that our fight with sin goes away. In fact, we actually have to start fighting sin now for the first time ever in our lives because it used not to bother us before we were believers in Christ. We might be sorry we got caught or the consequences of it, but in terms of it grieving the Lord, it just didn't bother us. But something has changed now. You know, now um, all the cameras that are used by professionals are the digital SLRs. SLRs, the well, it means something. What does it mean? Single, single lens reflex. It's one of those fancy jobs. They're all digital now, right? You know, back many moons ago, hundreds of years ago when I was in high school, uh, we took a, a regular photography class. Uh, and, uh, and I was told to go get a packet of very special paper from the local photography store. They don't exist anymore. And they, they told us, do not open this packet of paper. Don't buy it and then open it to see what you got. Why? Because it was photography paper. And if you opened it and it was exposed to the light, it would be changed forever. Well, that's what's happened to us. We have been exposed to the light of the world. His light has shined into our hearts. And like that photography paper, our souls have changed forever. And now we're to live like it. Now we're to live like it. Well, this text gives us some keys of what that looks like. Verse 9 tells us, For the fruit, that which comes from, that which is produced by, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. What does the fruit or natural outflow or the product of those who have been brought from spiritual darkness to spiritual life look like? Well, it looks like goodness, righteousness, and truth. Last week, we saw three words that describe those who are still in bondage to their sin where we used to be. And it was sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. It is, it's no surprise, it's no coincidence that Paul now provides us with three new words. The, the opposite of these things. Sexual morality, impurity, and, and covetousness give way to goodness, righteousness, and truth. We are called to put off the old and put on the new. And to live in a manner that reflects the light that is within us. And reflects the revealed word of God that we have been given. So we are called to walk wisely, according to verses 10, 15, and 17. Have you ever watched a suspenseful movie? I can't do horror flicks. They're, first of all, they're not healthy. okay. Uh, but the second of all, I have a too vivid of imagination. But have you seen a suspenseful movie uh, in which the person is walking in darkness towards danger? And you're yelling at the television. Don't do it. Don't open that door. Don't go in the backyard. Don't you know that there's somebody out there who's going to get you? Well, of course, they don't know. They're walking in darkness. And the only reason we know is because the director has brought light to the situation so that we can see the danger they're walking into. This is what the Lord God does to us when He gives us the Holy Spirit inside of us, and He calls us to live wisely. Because by His Word, He brings to light those things in our lives that we're to get rid of, the things that we are to put on. You know, it's tough living in a dark world and knowing how to live in a faithful way to God, isn't it? There are some things that are easy. The Bible just says, don't do this, don't do this, do that, do that. But the Christian life is one of constantly seeking the Lord to know how to navigate complex situations. So we see in verse 15, look carefully then how you're to walk, not as unwise but as wise. How how then are we to know how to deal with problems in our home with children or at work with unbelieving co-workers and bosses or how to relate to unbelievers in our hunting camp or decide what we allow ourselves to watch? A lot of those things are wisdom issues, aren't they? We are called to live wisely, not unwisely. But how in the world does that happen? Okay, Lord, I want that wisdom. How do I get it? Verse 18 helps us. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drinking in and of itself is not a sin, uh, but it can quickly become sin. It might cause a brother to stumble, or it leads to drunkenness, which is sin. But rather than allowing ourselves to be controlled by drunkenness or anything else that would remove our inhibitions or cause us to do foolish things when we aren't under the control of our own faculties, we are called instead to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit already dwells inside of us if we are believers in Christ. But we are to constantly and continually put ourselves under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit. Just like we might put ourselves under the control of alcohol or the influence of alcohol when we seek after a bottle, so we are to put ourselves under the sway and control and influence of the Spirit as we seek after the Lord. We are called to move away from things that would cause us to stumble and instead to entrust ourselves to the Lord. How do we do that? How do we seek after the Lord and therefore be filled with Spirit that we might be given wisdom so we might not walk in foolishness but wisely as God desires? Well, it's by pursuing the Lord and He's not kept us from knowing how that happens. There's not a secret you have to send, you know, 20 bucks into some website to find out. It is the Word, the sacraments, and the prayer. God has given us the means of grace. We pursue Him in His Word and we come and are fed in the sacraments. And we pursue Him in prayer all within the context of the people of God. That we may know how to walk as children of life. We need that wisdom because we need to fulfill verse 16, which tells us to make use, best use of the time because the days are evil. What does that mean the days are evil? You think about the original context here. Paul is writing to Ephesian Christians They're living in Ephesus, which was an incredibly ungodly place. I was reading this week in a commentary and it said, you know, um, Corinth was bad. Ephesus was worse. I didn't know that. Um, That the further you got away from, from Greece, it just got... Asia Minor was a really heinous place to live when it came to morality. How in the world would they know how to walk in light in those evil days well, certainly the days are evil now too. There's, we're surrounded by spiritual darkness. How are we to walk? How are we to know how to redeem the time? As many, many versions say, to redeem the time as we buy it back. As we buy it back from the evil desires, not just of our culture, but of our sinful hearts. We think about the things that we want to do when no one's watching. The things we, we want to think of when we don't have to give an account to someone. We have to redeem the time away from those things and not indulge in them. Instead, walk in holiness before the Lord. Even as we take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 11a. Because these are like oil and water. Well, we said at the beginning that since God has changed us, He has called us to live like it. But it's with two purposes. There's an outward focus to this. And the first is so that we might seek the lost. Bullet point number two on your on your handout. We're only light because Christ has come into the world. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christ is the light of the world, bringing spiritual life and light to all those who would call upon His name. So the Bible says Christ is the light of the world, but did you know that it also says that we are the light of the world? Christ is the light of the world, John chapter 8. Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5 says that we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We don't do good works so that people would recognize us and say good things about us. That's not what he's talking about. He is talking about reflecting Christ's light to the world. We are called, after we have been changed and living like it, we are called to be, as what one commentator called, agents of transformation little outposts for the kingdom, wherever we are, our homes, our workplaces, where we work and live and play. The same commentator compares us to the light of a moon, the moon when it is full. You know, a full harvest moon will light up the dark almost to the point where you can read a newspaper, right? When it's a clear night and it's the, 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 the moon is completely full and it's close to the earth, it is really bright outside. Now, the thing about the moon is it has no light of its own. It is lighting up the sky. The lesser light, as the Old Testament calls it. But it has no source of light in and of itself. All of its light is from another source. And that is from the sun. And so we, being the light of the world, we have no light in and of ourselves. I have nothing to give you except Jesus. We reflect the light of the world... The Lord Christ, the Son of God, S-O-N. And so as we interact with our co-workers and our lost friends, we get to reflect the love of Christ to them, the true light of the world. And so God uses us in the lives of those still living in darkness to bring salvation. Who, Who led you to the Lord? Some of you may have been led to the Lord in a church service or in revival. But usually the statistics say that 85% of people become believers through the ministry of a friend or a relative. 85%. 63% of statistics are made up, by the way. But this one, I remember reading somewhere. 85% of people who become believers do so through the ministry of friends or relatives. The Lord used that person to bring light to your life. And so we see this in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What does that mean? Well, once light is brought into something, it's brought to bear on something that is done in darkness, it is revealed, able to be seen for what it truly is. There is no light outside of Christ. And apart from Christ revealing Himself to us and to others, no one will ever see their sin for what it is. It's kind of like uh, when you turn the light on in someone else's kitchen, not yours, and roaches start going everywhere, right? That's all some squiggles there. Uh, that which is ugly and is not known is suddenly brought to light and is visible. And so we are called not to hedge, not to compromise on sin. What does this mean? At the very, at the very bottom, it means we don't compromise on the truth. The Word of God says what it says and we stand on it no matter if we like it or not. Because a lot of times we like our sin and we don't like to hear that we can't do it anymore. Why? We we could go the way of trying to smooth off the edges like so many have done. We we could go the way of trying to apologize to God in order to be more politically correct. But that'll get us nowhere. Because without the Word of God, we cannot see our sin, and we must see our sin in order to be saved. And so if we pretend that someone is not in sin, we offer them no hope. Because the light must shine into their hearts, and they must see that they need a Savior, just like we do. We have to be careful, though. The call to expose deeds... There might be some thinking, ha, now I get to go and tell everybody about how terrible they are. (laughs) That's not exactly what this text is talking about. Because we have to be careful not to place ourselves in a place of judgment or taking the place of God as judge. We are sinners taking the good news to fellow sinners. The purpose of exposure of sin is to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Like the light, like the light of the moon, it reflects light to dark nights, so we are to bring the reflected light of Christ into our relationships by our words and our actions, and especially through evangelism. And we should, my friends, fully and prayerfully expect for people to become believers. I think a lot of times we just forget that people really do get saved. You know, the, the sharing of the gospel really does work. The Lord used it in our lives. Why won't he use it in the lives of those whom we tell the Lord about? We should expect and prayerfully expect, for people's lives to be transformed. Why? Because verse four, excuse me, 14, gives us the model of salvation. Uh, "Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." We issue forth the, the call to the sleeping one the one who is living in darkness, to wake up, to see and to hear the call of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit makes them alive together with Christ and shines in their hearts. And those who were formerly in darkness will become our brothers and sisters in Christ and help us to share and reflect the light of Christ with others. We who were dead have been raised to life. And now we get to bear the same news to others, that the roles of God's elect will be filled and one day Christ will come back. But you know, we should beware of clouds. It's amazing how there can be a, 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 just a gorgeous moon, but if there are storm-filled clouds in the sky, it'll be pitch black here on earth because something is blocking out the reflected light of the sun. And so when we let sinful motives, when we let unresolved sin in our lives cloud our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ... It will inhibit and impair and damage our witness to others. You don't look a whole lot like light right now, our friends might say. That's a mighty dim light. I don't want anything to do with that. Well, remember at the beginning we said that since we've been changed, we're called to live like it with the purposes of sharing the gospel with others, reaching the lost. And finally, we see as we give praise to the Lord. We see this in verses 19 and 20. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just like there's an outward focus to our transformation for the blessing of others, there's also an outward focus of our transformation to the glory of God. The context here is within the people of God, within, uh, within church, within the service, within God's people gathering together to worship the Lord. You know, there's no such thing as a Christian who is not part of the church. Like, biblically, that, that does not exist. Because when we are saved, we are saved together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we may forsake the gathering of believers, but that is to our great peril, danger, danger. And, detriment. and when we gather, we are to address each other in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs. These words together meaning all the kind of songs we sing together. The psalms straight out of the Old Testament, uh, hymns uh, of, of praise to God, spiritual songs, I think, gather themes from Scripture and explore those things. I think one of the fun examples in our own service is we address one another is the special music time. Week in and week out, we, we get to hear our, our music team um, address us with these songs. It's not a performance, and that's really important. It's not a performance. It's not, it is pretty, but it is not for us to sit and just think, oh, that's really pretty. We are called to interact with the words and to learn from the words that are sung to us as they sing to the Lord. We are to reflect that to the Lord as well. So, we're to sing praises to God. We should recognize that the text is telling us that God really does want us to sing. We could study this word sing just really in depth. And, you know, it turns out that it means to sing, to open our mouths, and let our vocal cords do what they're supposed to. Now, some might say, I've got a terrible voice. And you might. Okay? That's okay. Guess who gave you that terrible voice? The Lord. Guess who also tells you to use that voice to praise Him? The Lord. He's not surprised by a bad voice. In fact, He is more glorified by a bad voice with a sincere heart than He is by great sound and performance with a heart that cares nothing about Jesus. So belt it out. And the folks around you just have to sing louder so they can't hear you. <laughs> and it'll be all right. I was in England one summer, and um, I uh, attended this world-famous choral event at uh, Trinity, uh, King's College at Cambridge. And people, I mean, they, 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 they move from all over the world to go and be a student at King's College so that they can sing in this, in this choral group. And they had an even song, an afternoon uh, worship service. And so I went, and it was just amazing. But I know someone who got to meet some of those people. And we don't think any of those people knew Jesus. And so it sounded great, but the, the core, the heart, was rotten. Now believers in Christ who went to hear it could use that to glorify their God and to learn... But God's not glorified by that kind of emptiness. And so we come to the Lord, as this text says, making melody to the Lord with our hearts and terrible voices. This is what God calls us to do. He loves to hear from us. Well, as we conclude, what do we have to sing about? What in the world could we possibly have to give praise to God for? Well... First and foremost, we sing about what Christ has done for us. We sing about the fact that God Himself, the second person of the Trinity, humbled Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. We sing heartily of the fact that that He obeyed God in our place and has done all that we could not. We sing of the fact that He worked perfectly in goodness and righteousness and truth. And then we belt out of the marvelous fact that He took our place on the cross... He took our place on the sacrificial altar. He took our place in the fires of hell as the wrath of God was poured out on Him instead of us. As He satisfied the justice of God that we deserve leading us straight to hell. He took it for us. We sing of the fact that He paid for our wretched sin and the darkness in our heart. We sing of the fact that, on that when the light hit the tomb on Easter morning, it was empty And we sing the fact that Christ came to save those who would receive Him. So what do we sing of? We sing, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank You for saving us and bringing light into our hearts and making us children of light. Lord, I pray that we would live like it. That as we live like it, we would seek opportunities to to tell the good news of Jesus to those who are around us. And Lord, as we do that, help us to sing from hearts made new of your glorious kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.